0: snuff production This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suter. In this podcast, we choose a political situation going somewhere in the world, a new invention, something of international flavour, and we delve into it and dissect it and Dr Keith explains it and you are a talented man in that area because you just know how to break it down and explain things in layman's terms and you've got a very, very good understanding of all these stories from a historical perspective. You've been a commentator in Australian media for many years on international politics. You've got three PhDs, if you don't mind... We've worked together for a number of years now. It's always a pleasure and I learn a lot from you, Dr Keith. My name is Kate. Let's get into it. The coming disruption, Keith.
1: Yes, that's right. So this is an article by Scott Galloway and he predicts that a handful of elite cyborg universities will soon monopolise higher education. So this is an article which appeared in the New York magazine back in May. So that was getting towards the end of the first semester. The universities in the United States, well, like in Australia, But the University of the United States were closing down, getting ready for the summer break, and then just wondering whether they would reopen in the autumn or the fall in the United States. Scott Galloway teaches at the New York University School of Business and has written a fascinating article, at least has been interviewed by James Walsh, called The Coming Disruption. And in the interview, Scott Galloway predicts that it, there's going to be a major disruption coming to the way that universities operate. So, you know, all the way through this year, as we've looked at COVID, we have tried to argue that COVID is not just a bad case of the flu. COVID is going to transform our lives. Um, remember, I, I talk about love, L-U-V. So an L-shaped recession is when you get a sudden decline and then it drags along the bottom for years, like the Great Depression of the 1930s, which went on for a decade and only ended pretty well because of World War II. Or you have a U-shaped recession. In other words, it goes down, runs along the bottom, say for four or five years, and then picks up. And then you have the V, and the V means you suddenly go down, hit the bottom, and bounce back up. Most politicians have been assuming it's going to be a V-shaped recession. So in Australia, for example... All of our relief measures were based on six months to take to recovery. As you now know, we are renewing that because it is quite clear that it's not going to be a V-shaped recession. I've said from the outset that I'm hoping it's going to be a U-shaped one. I knew the V-shaped one wasn't going to work, but I was hoping it was going to be U-shaped. But in the back of my mind, if we continue with this series for the next few years, we might well be talking about an L-shaped recession as it takes so much longer for economists to recover. So the COVID crisis this year is going to transform society. And what this guy, Scott Galloway, is doing is saying, well, one of the areas it's going to transform is higher education. So what he's arguing, and it's a very interesting approach that he uses... Because he says, on the one hand, that students in the United States spend huge sums of money to get their education.
0: So, and, and this is like where most people relate to this. In all movies we've grown up watching, you know, that the parents start saving for their college fees exactly. when they're very, very young.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's very expensive to get an education in the United States. But I think, you know, being an undergraduate is the best time of your life. I, you know, for me, it's been downhill since I graduated.
0: <laughs> they are definitely fun years.
1: <laughs> so universities are great as part of that sort of rite of passage. Um, so he's saying, look, what's going to happen with with COVID is that we will just get more and more online education, what's called hybrid education. In other words, some classes will be in person, but others will be online. Now, it's interesting because the British pioneered online education 50 years ago before computers were invented through the Open University. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie Educating Rita. Yes. Yes. Mm. That, that for me is what education is all about. Education is about transformation and Rita gets transformed throughout that movie. And she got her degree via television and printed material and occasional summer schools or winter schools. So the British pioneered this with what they called the Open University half a century ago. And so um, what we're now seeing is something which was seen as rather frivolous. I might just say when the Open University was created by the Labour government, the Conservative Party, dominated by people who graduated from Oxford, said, we will wind this thing up. This is not university education. This is not Oxford. And then when they got into office in 1970, did their sums, realised it was a very good way to educate people. So the Open University, which at one point was the largest university publishing house in the English-speaking world, has continued So and has pioneered that. So, you know, uh, Scott Galloway is, is in effect arguing, although he doesn't use the phrase about the British Open University, but he's saying basically that is a model that we will now see more of in the United States. People perhaps attending some classes in person, but also learning a lot more online. About 20 years ago, I was at Old Dominion University in Virginia, which is right next door to the biggest naval base in the world at Norfolk. And the Old Dominion University actually trains sailors. So they're out on their warships and they're getting online education. This was 20 years ago at Old Dominion University. So there's quite a, a history of online education in the military sector and, of course, at the Open University in Great Britain, Um Scott Galloway thinks there's just going to be more of it routinely. What is also interested, and this for me is what makes the article so important, is the argument that these universities will also partner up with the big IT companies, Microsoft, Google, Apple. He makes the comment here, for example, that um, Apple does something like $250, $250 billion a year in revenue Apple has to convince its stockbrokers that its stock price will double every five years. Otherwise, it's, the stockholders will go and buy other stock, right? So the problem for Apple is they're running out of ideas. Mm. So the way you can do it is is to buy up smaller companies and hope you can grow them or go into completely new fields. And university education could well be one of those. So in other words, you would end up then with, um, Harvard partnering with a big IT company or Yale or the University of Stanford, etc. So he is saying that, um, uh, looking at what he says here about, uh, about Apple, Apple doesn't need to double its revenue to double its stock price, but it needs to increase it by 60 or 80 percent. This means in the next five years, Apple probably needs to increase its revenue base by 150 million dollars. To do this, you have to go big game hunting. You can't feed a city by raising squirrels. These big tech companies have to turn their eyes to new prey, the list of which gets pretty short, pretty fast, if you look at how these big industries need to be in that weight class. So what he's saying is you've got to go for really big projects. Things like automobiles, they'll be the brains of the automobiles. They don't want to be in the business of manufacturing because manufacturing automobiles is awful low-margin business. The rest of the list is government, defence, education and healthcare. People ask if big tech wants to get into education and healthcare. I say, no, they have to get into education and healthcare. They have no choice. The stockholders of Apple are expecting Apple continually to do well. But Apple can't do well by just selling you iPhones. They've got to move into completely new fields And there's only a handful of fields that you can move into, which is why um, this person says that Apple will partner up with universities. And he says the strongest brand in the world is not Apple or Mercedes-Benz or Coca-Cola. The strongest brands are the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, that's in Boston, MIT, Oxford and Stanford. Academics and administrators at the top universities have decided over the last 30 years that they're no longer public servants. We are luxury goods. We get a lot of ego gratification every time our deans stand up in front of the faculty and say, this year, we didn't reject 85% of the applicants. We rejected 87%. So it's this very elite luxury product. So you've got the big tech companies whose stockholders expect them to continue to grow even though they're running out of steam in terms of IT. So they've got to find new targets. Meanwhile, the best luxury brands are a handful of universities like Oxford or Stanford, or Harvard. And so you're going to have to have this partnering up. Apple needs to work with some of these big providers in order to make money, in order to keep its stockholders happy. So really interesting arguments. So IT companies have to get into university education, and they would do that, obviously, by providing the online material, you know, the actual infrastructure, et cetera. Um, so what would it be like if you end up with the creative people at Apple designing an online course? Because, you know, an online education can be so boring. You know, yeah. a boring professor. <laughs> if you've ever done a course listening to these academics grind on, Apple will find a way of make, gingering it up.
0: This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Suda. We're talking about the coming disruption. In
1: higher education.
0: Yeah, but, it, I mean, it can be applied in multifaceted Absolutely. areas, Keith. But we're talking specifically about the fact that um, big tech companies like Apple need um, to keep making money so they're going to look to get into higher education. Is this just specific to America, though, or is it likely to happen in other parts of the world?
1: I think it'll also happen here. If you think back, you know, here in Australia, we have our own A lead universities like Sydney, and Melbourne, Queensland, Um and so they may well, in terms of looking around for additional students, additional money, need to partner up with the big companies. And so they would deal with the Australian end of these big IT companies.
0: And it so, does feel like this, the universities are struggling at the moment, particularly in terms of uh, lack of international exactly. interest.
1: So international, the, the, Australia was one of the pioneers of international education. It began in the middle of the 1980s and basically the universities sold their brand. Remember, brand, the university brands are luxury brands. They're luxury goods. And so um, we have brought into this country a lot of people who work hard. I've, I've, I've taught international students in the past. that They work hard. They, they think of their parents back home and all the struggling which they've done to be able to send them to Australia. But they don't have good English necessarily. And Australian students resent having them in the classes. But it is interesting that... The export of education, in other words, bringing students into Australia to study, the export of education is the third largest export industry in Australia. Number one and number two would be energy, coal and um, iron. Number three, export of education. In the state of Victoria, it is number one as the export industry. So it's a very important industry. So you're right. Uh, And, of course, the COVID crisis means that a lot of people just can't get into this country now from overseas. So the universe has been forced to think about online education. And, again, that creates the opening for partnerships with IT companies as you try to work out how you can make your classes more welcoming. Imagine if if you're here or in the United States and you're a parent and you look at what the kids are looking at on their screens to a, a university professor droning on, you know, you'd be wondering, particularly in the United States, why am I paying $100,000 for this type of, of boredom?
0: But if you've got an Apple behind it who can animate and exactly. create graphics and, also, and talking heads and all sorts of <laughs> all things. All sorts
1: of things. So it's a whole new era that's going to start to open up. And now I should imagine you will end up with conservative academics who don't like that idea. But that's the way they've got to go. I was um, taking part in a telephone conference yesterday, and I won't go into the details, but. You,
0: you got really bored and went to sleep on No, the table. no, no. Uh,
1: <laughs> but we, we've been putting on a series of webinars for lawyers, and my fear is, is that the presenter's gone for too long. Oh, but I was you? told, no, 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 no. They're, they're, they're complaining that we're not giving them longer time, but we're living in what's now called the attention economy. So you've got to get everything down, as we do with these talks, they're 20 minutes. We're not going to go to 25, we won't go to 30. No. We we hope to get people's attention for the full 20 minutes. And keep momentum the whole time. Exactly. Whereas, you know, I'm coming across academics who want to be able to speak for an hour.
0: No. <laughs> no one wants to hear that. You can't concentrate that long. Exactly. That's I why stories and breakfast television, breakfast radio, only go for a couple of minutes. Yeah, exactly. Give them what they need to know. Move on. Exactly. And then give them the option to read something else if they want more information, yeah, for example.
1: that's exactly it. So this is the revolution that's going to come to universities, not just the... For the IT company isn't it like just Apple looking for targets to acquire, <laughs> but also the whole problem of what it's going to change to the, the university sector. And my guess is is that we will end up with perhaps 50 universities in the world and they would, the really big ones, will therefore be the ones that are well-known. So if, if you can study online, why would you get a degree from the University of Bulamakanka down the road when you can get a Harvard degree? So you can Do it online. So I think we're going to see the consolidation of universities in the same way we're seeing consolidation of airlines, banks, automobiles, et cetera. And so the
0: universities like Harvard don't reject 87%, even though they want to be able to do that because it makes sense from an ego perspective and a brand perspective. But if you want to make money, Keith, you still want to take those online applications. Sure.
1: You know? But they would still want to reject some. (laughs) Because it obviously adds to the prestige. It's difficult to get into Harvard, let alone get a Harvard degree. You've got to get in through the front door. Remember that the old Indians that you used to run across with BA Calcutta failed. In other words, they did get into Calcutta University but didn't finish the course, but they can still boast they got in, BA Calcutta failed. That's oh, it. that's hilarious. <laughs> so my guess, as, uh, following on from what um, uh, is revealed in this interview with Scott Galloway of the New York University Stern School of Business, is that there are major changes that are taking place in the university area. And as we've argued this year, the COVID crisis is going to transform our society. And that basically means transformation of the university sector as well.
0: Well, it's an interesting base and it's a keeper. It's, it's a story to keep your
1: eye on, Keith. Absolutely.
0: Global Truths was presented by Dr Keith Suter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.